You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. You're listening to Rust Belt Running. I am Adam Wheeler, joined as I always am by Andrew Hedinger. If you want to find us on social media, you can find me at Wheels Up in CLE, Andrew at Andrew Runs a Lot. The podcast can be found at Rust Belt Running. And today, one year later. Holy shit. It is, we're recording this on Tuesday, March 9th. It is the one year anniversary of when Ohio announced its first three COVID cases, all in my county, Calgary County. And <laughs> holy shit, what a year it's been. Andrew, I went to a restaurant today. And if you had told somebody 53 weeks ago that you went to a restaurant, they would have been like, okay. Yeah. And today it's like, which whoa. one? <laughs> whoa, you went out? Yeah. Like the first time since the day before the election, I went out and I day drank and it was fantastic. And uh, God, it feels like a little milestone after what's been a, a really weird year and a really shitty winter. And uh, yeah, you and I are going to talk about what the year has been like, what you and I were saying. I did something today and I did something this weekend entry that I never do. I listened to us. Mm-hmm. I listened to an episode. And it was cringeworthy. I can't stand to hear myself talk. <laughs> I've gotten used to it. Have you? Well, yeah, yeah you, you do I've, all the editing. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I've gotten, I've gotten used to hearing it. It's not too bad. I find it cringeworthy to listen to myself talk. Oh, it's, yeah. It was interesting, though. Like, And you and I are obviously, this is what the bulk of the episode is going to be about, is as I was listening to us talk about the onset of COVID, I was actually really impressed with how, not in terms of like specifics we were right about, but in terms of like sort of the mindset yeah. of how to handle the weird time we were about to enter. You and I were not, you and I were pretty spot on about just like how to handle the upcoming uncertainty and difficulty. And um, man, I like, I listened to it. I'm like, man. I feel like we should, we should pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We were not, we didn't sound like a bunch of idiots. And you know, I don't think we've really whined this whole time. I think there's been no. points where we've, you know, we know it sucks. Oh, it's well, we're going to, we're going to talk more about this, but you know, yeah. I, that's just, that's kind of one thing I kind of look back on and go, I mean, there's been dark days. There's been tough days, oh, yeah. but you know, in general, it hasn't been like this. Woe is me whiny feeling we've had yeah we've adapted it's been what it is and uh yeah but uh we we did uh we did have the latest casualty Ah. it's not a a true casualty it's a it's a 
I think a sign of things that I wonder if they, I wonder if the Cleveland marathon is now the most hated race in Northeast Ohio by <laughs> local race directors. Uh, they announced that they are moving to the fall. Uh, they did that. What yesterday, man, yesterday yeah, Monday. was a year. Um, <laughs> I seriously was like that once Tuesday it had to be Thursday. And I was like, no, no, that was, that was yesterday. Yeah. Man, you would not think sitting in a hotel lobby for five hours waiting for your dad to get out of surgery um, would be that difficult. And that... And everything went well. Yes, yes. Um, where we're very... The surgeon was very pleased we had one hiccup, which I told you about. And we'll, uh, we'll know more about that in the next week and a half or so. But uh, we, everything should be good. The, the surgeon is confident in that. So Good. Um, so to everybody who sent any um kind words or thoughts prayers we appreciate it um but yeah i just literally my parents wanted me up there with them and uh even though i couldn't be in the hospital with my mom i just sat in the lobby of her hotel because she couldn't check in yet i dropped it you know, it felt like taking them to the airport yeah i could see it, that it was, it was the strangest thing. I talked a few weeks ago. Sorry, I guess I'm talking about this now for a minute. You're good. Um, I talked a few weeks ago about how, you know, when we first found out about this, there's so many emotions that we've, that we've never felt or we don't maybe know. And this was kind of one of those days that I couldn't really put my finger on it. I, do, I don't know what exactly I was feeling. I drove to my parents' house in Worcester to pick them up. And it was kind of a surreal morning, like, I'm sitting there thinking like, when my dad comes home, there's going to be a hospital bed here. He's not going to be able to get up for a while right. or, or like really move around like himself, but he's just standing in front of me. Everything's fine. Like he's fine right now, but now he's walking me around and he's showing me where keys are to like safes and stuff that in closets and his, where his will is and things like that. And it's like, this is so strange because this is so necessary right now. Right. And, uh, you know, in case something happened during surgery, um, it was so strange, but then I just take my parents' luggage. I throw it in the back of my car and I go and I pull up to a hospital and I go up around a little roundabout and get out and take their luggage out, give them hugs and watch walk them walk through sliding glass doors. It was just like yeah. taking them to the airport. But the one thing I realized in this whole thing is I think there is some of that same feeling because I don't know when I'm going to see my dad like that again. Right. You know, when am I going to see him walking normally? Because mm -hmm. this was very intensive surgery that he had to remove this cancer. And uh, so I guess in some ways that, that is it. I, I think there's, it's just, it was like a weird, sad melancholy. The hug was just a lot longer with my dad than it would be when I would see them off at the airport. Right. It's, it's a little more intense. And uh, yeah, but everything seems to be good. He actually was surprisingly up a little bit today, but he also is numb from the waist down because of the drugs that they've given him. So, right. But that's a good sign for the strength of the muscle. So hopefully we have a good recovery and it's short and comes out on the other side but sure. um and that wasn't cleveland so that'll be my transition back to the cleveland marathon announcing their um their delay to the fall which i 
think is smart on so many levels. One, it just makes COVID sense. Yeah. And two, things are progressing so well on a COVID front. This is like the complete inverse of last year. Yeah. Uh, this week is. Uh, I mean, over the last 10 days, especially, we have gotten some very encouraging information. Uh, and I, and I don't want to toot our own horn, but beep, beep. We recorded on Tuesday night saying somebody give us a number, a target. Yeah. And the next day it's almost like DeWine was on our zoom call. Um, gives us a target, gives us a number, gives us a plan. And some of the things, you know, you and I have been back and forth on him, but this is, you know, just like March of last year, I was very impressed with that. And, uh, and I, I, I commend him for giving us a number, whether you agree with the number or not. Um, I don't understand the metric all that well. But. I don't even know if anybody really truly understands the number. It's like, it's this number and I don't fully know how we're it's, calculating it's, it. It's active cases. It's current yeah. active cases per 100,000. So that's right. po- positive people that are in hospital people still presume to be ill before recovery. Right. So, which I saw yesterday, we were at 160 on a, on the local news. You yeah, said you couldn't confirm saying. that number, but I don't well, know if you did since. They they update, so like you saw it at the hospital, they might, they're probably getting more up-to-date, like maybe daily information than is released to the general public. The website that I found updates every Thursday and the latest was last Thursday when we were up at 179 per 100K. Yeah. His target number is 50. Um, and what's good about that is it, I think part of what it does is it, it gives you, like we said, a target number. Two is it indicates like, hey, don't slack off on you know the safety measures because that's how we get there faster. And then three is obviously as more vaccines go out, that helps drop that number down more as well. So it's... It's nice. It gives us a distant target. Um, you know, we had talked about Texas last week, and you know, I was talking with my dad about that today. And you know, you and I were critical of Texas, and I think rightfully so. I do think something to keep in mind when you look at some of the southern states is that they're in that kind of in-between phase right now, where it's not so hot that they're going to retreat indoors to air conditioning, which is what probably led to the spikes last summer in the south. Um, but it's warm enough that they can all go outside here in Ohio. We're not there yet. It was gorgeous today. It's going to be right now. I think it's predicted to be like 37 on Saturday. We're in that weird in between spring phase where you have those warm days, but it's not so warm that like everybody transitions to being outdoors. So most of our socializing, if you're doing it is still indoors where transmission risk is high. So I'm glad the governor DeWine has factored that into his calculations in terms of what it means to to fully reopen because yeah, we're not there yet. And we have been getting really good news. Vaccinations continue to kind of turn along and, you know, we're into the next phase, next couple of phases here in Ohio. It doesn't include you and me yet, but you know, hopefully we're getting closer to that. Well, I mean, you're, you're only like 12 years off now. Uh, you know, I, I think <laughs> it, it's funny that you say that, but it's like, once we get down to 50, I think you almost start to get to a point where it's like, once you get to 50, it's like you start looking at individual populations that are at higher risk, like supply chain people, restaurant workers, you know, right. Like basically the people that you're getting to before you just go, it's open to everybody. Yeah. Um, You know, and then of course, what you have to deal with is the, how do you get an appointment? 
because there's a lot of people now that are eligible that are struggling to get an appointment. Well, they so. have secured the mass vaccination sites, so that's going to help. Yeah, and I yeah. do, and and I do think just on the vaccine front, uh, I think that that fifty per one hundred thousand. I'm not in the room. I'm totally speculating here, but I'm fair. I feel very confident that that is probably numbers people have come up with based on modeling. Of yes. Appro- like when we hit the appropriate vaccination percentage, this yeah. is what our cases will be. It's basically the way of saying get vaccinated. Yeah. Like, um, and why the fuck is our meeting going to end in 10 minutes? It's just, I just saw me. that. It's only the two of us. Fuck you, Zoom. It's all right. Well, we I, got- uh, we keep going. We go again. We keep going. All right. Uh, I'm so thrown off now. I guess we just, I, I mean, that was pretty much my point, I guess. Yeah. Fucking no, no, I think you're right, though. I think it is a combination of like, make sure that you're still doing what you need to be doing. Make sure you get vaccinated, do all those things. And by the time it's safe enough to like open up and start going outdoors, we should be where we need to be. And uh, yeah, it's, it's funny to be talking about it you know, thinking about where we were this time last year and just how different things are and, and how promising things look. That's, yeah. that's the great part I, about it. And I think it looks so promising for the fall and fall of races. Yeah. And that's why, you know, Cleveland postponing is smart from a COVID standpoint because yes. we're right there. We're right at that finish line or we're approaching it. Like, yeah. Um, and, uh, but it's also, man, it's going to be a freaking cash cow for races in the fall. I'm seeing it in restaurants right now where, you know, working in, working in a restaurant that is geared more towards families. We were very slow during the holidays when case counts were at their highest. We started to pick up immediately after Christmas. It was the Monday after Christmas. We started to pick up. And as things have looked better, we've gotten busier and busier and busier. And you can see, this just sort of pent up sort of angst of wanting to get out, go back to like when we were doing the staying sane series last April, last May, and we had so many people were like, Oh, I can't wait to go out and go to a restaurant. And obviously the time period lengthened significantly from what we thought was going to happen. Now we're at that point where we're there. People yeah. want to get out. They've been cooped up. Oh, and by the way, there's more checks coming. There's child tax credits coming. Like right. people are going to be getting this huge infusion of cash. Well, after not having been able to go out and do anything, some people just straight need it, but many people like yes. you and myself, yes. um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, we're going to be the people who are actually able to stimulate the economy mm-hmm. and not just use that money to survive. There's multiple reasons why you do this. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I noticed it last night when I was driving home from um, Cleveland Clinic. I, I drive on 77 through Canton, and yep. uh, there we have in North Canton, we have our big like commerce area. Yeah. And we, we have the strip right there. And for the first time in a long time, and this was a Monday, and I, and I can't just, I don't know how I feel about it. I think there was some nostalgia. There was a little bit of joy in seeing it. There was also a little bit of frustration, but the parking lot at like eight o'clock was almost full on a Monday for all these shopping things. And there was just, 
there was part of it that just felt normal. Mm-hmm. There was part of it that was like, I don't, uh, but there's just, it's kind of like, you know, my wife, I, I've used her hospital so many times as an example, mm-hmm. or not an example, a like concrete factual number. Yeah, uh, insight. And, and, and in December, it was very rough. They, uh, I think they have between 170 and 180 confirmed cases uh, of, of COVID and people they were treating for COVID at her hospital in December. And that was sustained for weeks, um, maybe fluctuating up or down by 10, but it was, it was right there in that range for a few weeks. Um, they're down to 12. Wow. And I, I'm when I heard that yesterday, because she texted me that yesterday while I was up at Cleveland Clinic, that was just that one, that one marker. That was a marker I used to help to institute change at work mm-hmm. for COVID uh, in December. And uh, then I'm looking at it now and I'm like, I'm, I'm using it to kind of try to allow myself to enjoy seeing a full parking lot outside of a commercial area like that because i don't i don't know i i feel i feel better about seeing that i feel less angry about seeing that right it's funny how it's going to be there's definitely going to be some sort of like re-entry anxiety about those things as you start to see like full restaurants full parking lots like it's just going to feel weird even when it doesn't necessarily need to feel weird because as much as we don't want to, we've gotten used to the fact of social distancing and reduced capacity and, you know, less crowded places than we typically would have seen this time last year. And it's as much as I don't think we've wanted to do that. We've, we've gotten used to it. I sent you an article yesterday. It was about, um, it was about like the, the weird three days last year when essentially all of sports shut down and uh you you and i both highlighted the same quote in that article from des linden um which is ironic because it's a year later and des has decided that she is going to essentially break away from marathon running and try to set the world women's 50k record which is one awesome uh two it's nice to see somebody who has been like sort of this beacon of american women's running for so long seeking out some sort of new challenge like it's an olympic year she didn't make the olympics what yeah well yeah she is the alternate um i'm saying we hope they happen well yeah we hope they have i think they will but no we just did that i'm sorry i'm sorry you're good man you're good um but it's just it's really cool to see des who you know has essentially decided like no i'm not done i'm not gonna retire i'm gonna go and seek some sort of new challenge that's outside my comfort zone that keeps me relevant, that keeps me involved in the sports. Um, it was just also really funny, though, like seeing that announcement on the heels of me sending that article because I felt like the Des quote, and I'll let you read it. The Des quote was basically all of us this time last year trying to figure out like what the fuck is going to be going on because it was exactly this time last year when essentially the dominoes started to fall and everything started to shut down. Well, yeah, there were, there were a few good... Um quotes from that article but yes as i i just i had read it and i and i just had copied and pasted to you but i i i precluded it with this des is me i am yes yeah so she said 
like so she had found out while she was out drinking that <laughs> like every that everything was shutting down and while she, training for boston training by the way boston, yeah. <laughs> which was only a few weeks away yeah and uh but she she was thinking like she said so it was like how is this going to happen and do i need to train tomorrow or should i just continue drinking <laughs> And I'm just like, my goodness, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Right. But she, I mean, she's found a way. She's been one of the better, I think, runner follows through all of this because you've seen all the runners, you know, the Emma Coburns of the world, who's just an absolute beast and freak. Yeah. Um, you know, you see her just continue to be amazing at what she does. Um, but then you kind of have Des, who's just kind of like the rest of us. You know, and she kind of has to find ways to, you know, keep herself inspired. She did Destober where she ran a mile for the date of the month. Right. Every, uh, every day of that month. And which, yeah. so, I mean, that was, that may have been what piqued her interest a little bit in uh, the 50K. Yeah. She ran one. So she almost ran two. What's a 50K? I don't know. I should know this, but I don't. I feel like it's between 30 and 31, right? 5K is 6.2, so multiply that by... That's common for math, the... by the way. Yeah. It makes more sense. People don't realize that. I'm going to get roasted for that one. We're going to get canceled because I said common core math makes sense. Uh-oh. Oh, dear Lord. 50K. Um... Uh, no. Stop it. 50K in miles. There we go. That's all I had to do, Google. Um, the fuck? I don't want inches. I want kilometers. And I don't want 50,000 kilometers. I want 50. 31.0686. So actually, she didn't quite do one. Unless she didn't yeah. run tangents on her 31 miler in October. Right. That was a really roundabout way of saying she didn't run any 50Ks, but she's going to do it and she's going to go for close. that record. And she's yeah. done a great job, you know, being a normal person. She's talked about struggling with running, like kind of like, what is this for? I mean, that's a competitive runner. Like that's, that's all she knows. You mean it's okay to struggle when you don't have races? Some people don't think so. <clears throat> oh. I got a whole lot of other shit going on too. I really don't care right now. So, um, but I'm still on a running podcast because I still love running. I just haven't been. I have. I should almost change my Instagram name though. No, you're I'll good. I'll get it back. I'll get it You'll back. You'll be fine, dude. It took me like a year to get back to it. And now I'm back to it and I feel great. Well, and when I get back to it, you're going to be out of it. And we're just going to no! have this cycle. You and I are eventually going to sync up and have like a good running stretch at the same time. Um, oh, you know, that article was so interesting, though. So it was a New York Times article. He kind of yeah. went through it before. But there were so many good people to hear from. I thought um, reading Adam Silver, because Adam Silver kind of broke the sports world. Yeah. Um, I mean, it felt kind of inevitable, but what, um, what was so shocking was when it happened so early, you heard about Rudy Gobert, yeah. um, the center from the Utah jazz. We all we can, heard about that. And I can still picture the doctor running onto the court. Yeah. Like running onto the court and like waving, like, no, don't start. Like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's what a, 
just what a time just hearing about Rudy Gobert that felt like three days that was like an hour and then um reading about Adam Silver going over in his head he said he was sitting in his car in front of his apartment yes like he's in his car like on his phone going do I cancel sports well and you know he he had said um I gotta find it uh because I sent you that quote and I loved it. Oh, because he, he had said, uh, you know, up until Gobert testing positive, up until that moment, it felt like there would have been an opportunity to deal with a single case on an isolated basis. But right. as he's sitting in his car, he's realizing there was a referee who's doing, yep. who's doing another game, who yep. did the jazz game. And I, it was just that. It was that right there. That was just like, yeah, we can't control this. You had one right. positive case and it felt like it, it, everything was spiraling out of control because if he didn't make that decision, it would have. I had texted you or we had had a conversation. I don't remember if it was on this or if it was off air or what, but uh, I wonder how many lives Rudy Gobert testing positive saved because Adam Silver did effectively shut down all of sports. I don't know that every league, the NCAA, all those organizations follow. You kind of needed somebody to do it first. Right. Uh, Adam Silver did it immediately because he realized that he was in front of a snowball that was way bigger than he thought it was. Right. And, uh, you know, it's so how many if the NCAA tournament happens with fans? Well, I. If I think all the one, those events continue to happen with fans, what, what what's this 500K look like now? I think the one thing I did pull out of that, it was, like, it was very clear that they were already starting to think about, like, this is, if these, if sports continue to happen, it's not going to happen with fans. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I think about, like, the idea of contact tracing. Remember that one, was, when that was a thing? Huh. Like, we don't even do that anymore. Like, I'm sure it's still done, but, like, we've essentially just, accepted that it's just part of the community that at this point like i don't know that it's done i i worked with somebody who tested positive um she messaged in february 15th that she wasn't feeling good and it was like hey i opened up my shift and then like the message came in the next day and was like i've opened up all my shifts and at that point you go like oh well she's clearly got covid she never like came out and said i've got covid but she's you know, if you open up your entire set of shifts, you've probably tested positive for COVID. I worked with her on Valentine's Day. Yeah. If they had contact traced, the whole place would have been shut down. We all interacted with her. And it's just, it was just. But you're not mask free. So you don't, you guys true. are wearing masks. So technically you don't fall under the CDC guidelines of being contact traced. Yes. I can tell you based on the corporate guidelines, that's not how that's supposed to work. <clears throat> um anyway neither here nor there i didn't get it everybody's good like nobody nobody that works with her got it but it's just it's funny when i think about like how they talk about contact tracing because at that time the united states and south korea recorded their first covid cases on the same exact day south korea went into test everybody mode and trace everybody mode like the big thing with south korea was the church i had totally forgotten about that until i listened to the episode i had forgotten about that and you know so south korea was like trace everybody that was at the church test everybody and they've kept their cases you know we talked about ohio 
Ohio is going to lift their their health orders when we hit 50 cases, less than 50 cases per 100K. South Korea right now is at 0.9. And they've always been there. And it's just, it's funny to think about because you think about where we were this time last year and it was like, yeah, you know, we're going to have to lock everything down and then we're going to contact trace. And if we lock everything down and make sure that it's not spreading, we'll contact trace and it'll be good. Yeah, that never happened. No. We opened everything back up and it was like, boom, we're good. So I want to go back to that article again. There was Please. one, there was one other, uh, Don Remy, the chief operating officer of the NCAA. Yeah. Uh, I thought, I thought he had another, um, interesting quote, uh, in that, that they were, t- he was talking about when they canceled, which was, you know, on the heels of the NBA doing it again, yeah, it, it, was the it, next may, day. it may have felt, everything may have felt inevitable. Um, but Adam Silver did it first and right. somebody else in the article had mentioned like, you know, you're all kind of sister. You're like all these sports organizations are kind of sisters. They have TV contracts. They have all these things that make them all so similar. It's the same so, model. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of wait for somebody to do it and then it all happens. And that's what happened. The NBA canceled. I mean, it could have gone on. We could have had this go on for weeks, but uh, anyways, Don Remy, the CEO of the NCAA um, is talking about the day that they decided to, cancel the uh, NCAA, um, the conference tournaments and then the NCAA tournament. By the time we got to four o'clock in the afternoon, there was so much momentum along that path that when the board considered what the next step should be, a determination to cancel the event was unanimous. Mm -hmm. There was no sigh of relief. Yeah. I found that to be profound. It was unanimous. Yeah. And while being unanimous, there had to be an ink, uh, a thought of, is this too much? Because we knew nothing. Yeah. You know, we really did know nothing. I remember Governor DeWine um, saying, you know, we want to get on the other side of this and have people say we did too, we overreacted. Right. If that's not the reaction, then, you know, we didn't do enough. Um, but I think that was just, you, you look at these people who are in charge of so much money, <laughs> And they're, you know, and, and also the livelihoods of their labor for a year. Another story for a podcast a few months back, but um, we, uh, you know, it's, there was never a, this is, I'm a hundred percent confident. This is what we should do because you don't know until everything takes shape. That's what made it so strange. That's what made the flurry of information we got for that week. So strange. Yeah. I texted you too. If like when I read that article and I, you know, look at my social media memories and stuff this week, it feels very uh, 9-11-y. Oh yeah. Like, everything was so momentous. I can remember where I was and, and I can remember I was on Twitter when I found out the NBA was canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember just the big black background with the words. Um, oh, suspended. Uh on it because they had suspended they didn't cancel they suspended their operations and right you know just waking up and seeing the nhl did it the mlb was pausing right now it, it's just this flurry of information school being canceled the night school was canceled i uh i go to the grocery store and i can remember the face of the woman behind me at the cash register at aldi 
uh, who <laughs> somebody can remember my face from all day yesterday. Um, <laughs> but um, I can remember the face of the lady because I just kind of looked at her. I was like, man, this is crazy, isn't it? And, and she's like, and, and we were all just like, yeah. But we felt there was this feeling that we were in everything together. Yeah. Too, which is what made it so momentous. Um, that, man, that went away quick. Uh, but yeah. I, th- so much of that, like, Everything you we you did that week, you did for the first time in this new life that we were about to go into. Mm-hmm. So everything was so memorable. And that's what kind of gives it, and it was negative. <laughs> Even though there was some positive things that may have come out of some of it, 530,000 people have died in the United States. It's negative. This all was negative. And, uh, but... It, there, there were there were some positive outcomes from it, but it was also momentous, much right. in the way something like 9/11 or uh, you know the the Paris shooting and things like that, where you can remember everything about those. Right. This is the same way. You and I both went back and re-listened to the episode recorded that we released this week last year. Was there anything that? that you pulled out of that where you go that just seemed remarkable to you, whether it was like, because we were on, because we were like wildly off in our predictions, like what stood out to you about what we were thinking this time last year? Uh, you said there's no way to deny this at one point. <laughs> People tried. People still do. Yeah, I know. That's I'd actually forgotten. I, I had totally forgotten about, the uh, the allegedly guy. <laughs> oh my god! You you know what though? Like I one of the one of the really big takeaways, and you and I are going to talk about some of the the things we take away from last year. But one of the big takeaways that I took away as the years sort of went on, and we went from you know COVID to the racial justice protest, was just that I think there's this feeling with social media because we can connect with so many people that you have to like try to save everybody. Like if somebody comes and denies it, it's like, no, 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 let me show you these facts. Let me show right. you this story. And, you know, a, a year later, one of the things I can definitively say is that I have, I have shrunk my circle considerably. And it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not an echo chamber sort of shrinking. Like it's not that everybody that I communicate with is ideologically exactly the same as me. It's just that I, I've shrunk it down to I'm going to talk to and, and connect with the people that are willing to engage in a, in a true back and forth. Yeah. There are those people that are ideologically opposite of me that you know, like, they're going to troll. They're going to pull the, what about They're They're never going to actually talk to you about your actual concerns. And then there are those people that might approach things from a different perspective, but are willing to like actually have dialogue and listen. And when I think about that, that guy, you know, he was a dude from my hometown who'd never left my hometown and he was telling us like this was all overblown and the media was blown out of proportion and it's not real allegedly um, allegedly um he's not somebody like i don't feel any ill will towards him it's just i'm not going to waste my energy on trying to convince him because he's just so far apart from me that it's like i'm just going to let him exist in his little bubble and that might seem like defeatist but well there's nothing else you, you can't can save do. everybody yeah like 
find the people that are willing to have their minds uh, challenged and opened a little bit that are willing to say, I don't which, know everything. Which mine was. Like, you and I had some back and forth. Because, yeah. I mean, we talked about it on that episode, how you and I had a very spirited debate recorded, which is out in the ether somewhere. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I edited it out because we went too long. Yeah. I was, you and I were not on the same side of this. Right. And, uh, you know, it took my sister-in-law who is, uh, going to be on with us next week, Lord willing. Um, I Marco Poloed her. If you don't know what Marco Polo is download it, it's fun as hell, but, uh, it's way better than texting, uh, except you have to see somebody's face, which sucks. But, um, uh, it's, you know, it, it took, it took some convincing, but it also took me trying to confirm that glass city was going to happen, that our family cruise was going to happen. I was yeah. trying to confirm that stuff. And I was looking at information that made me go, cause I was of the mind of it's just a cold. It's not going to affect that many people seriously. But when I started to look at like how infections were happening, happening, and I started to do basic arithmetic, it was like, Holy fuck. A lot of people are going to die and I don't want that. So let's do everything we can to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, and, and you no, please, please finish. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I was going to say, you and I are both big fans of Brad Stolberg. He, he came from the same spot. He said, listen, there have been numerous flus yeah. that have originated in China that have been bad in the sense that they've been more deadly than a normal flu, but have not reached like pandemic levels. He talked about swine flu and he goes, listen, you know, these things happen frequently in China. A lot of them don't reach, you know, worldwide pandemic status. The media is often looking for some sort of story that they can hype to get clicks. He he dismissed COVID very early on as being you could just chalk those things up to that. And then, you know, he did the same thing you did as he got more information. As he looked at more things, he went, oh, shit, this is bad. Like that, I think, is one of the hallmarks of just kind of being a good, curious person is saying, Based on what I think right now, I'm going to make this conclusion, but my mind isn't made up. I'm willing to hear more information. And if more information comes across the challenges, what I think I'm open to it. You know what information I'm really stunned by a year later? What's that? How many governors I know. Um, oh God. Similarly yeah. to how uh, we were talking last week with, I, last week somehow like <laughs> the suburbs of georgia came up yeah 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 and uh you know we're talking about how everybody knows about gwinnett and decab and uh all these and cobb county all these other counties in the atlanta area and uh you know but now we we know about um you know governor cuomo uh, we, we all know about greg abbott at this point desantis desantis camp no, I, we know so much, but I was like, I, I tried to be knowledgeable about things, but yeah. I, at one point called governor DeWine Mark and in that podcast, like, so that's like the <laughs> level of knowledge of things. We just, you didn't care because it, I wouldn't say I didn't care. I, I, I voted against him for, well, three and a half years ago, whenever it was, um, and, uh, you know, I've been very proud of many of the things he's done in the last year. I've been disappointed in others and I've been irritated with others and proud with others. And, right. um, it's been so bizarre. It's kind of how, 
I mean, he's just tried to please everybody and it doesn't work it doesn't out. Very always well for that you. world. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you, like there were just so many things that it didn't matter. The government is supposed to be boring. Right. It's not supposed to be something where you're watching your governor speak every day, but we were, and we were encouraged by much of what we heard. We were encouraged by action that was taken early. We may yeah. have been discouraged by inaction and pep talks later, but here we are again, encouraged by somebody leading the way with on the heels of another Republican governor doing the total opposite. You know, we, we had, we had him kind of lead the way again. I mean, you said we had, you know, weather changes things, but that's not you. That was not used as a reason by Abbott. Right. No, not at all. I think it was just give any, like, no, give information as to why that needs to happen. And that's one thing I do think DeWine has been good at for all 12 months is at least trying to justify his reasoning. Yeah. Even if we don't agree, I don't expect to agree with him on everything. I, uh, you know, I did call him, I called him Mark. As you, as you talk about different governors, I did laugh out loud at you. (laughs) You, you made a, you made a kind of a statement about like, if you don't listen, you know, Adam and I tend to have kind of liberal views. And I just thought about like where the podcast would go in the preceding months. And it's like, holy shit. Cause at that point you and I hadn't really talked too much politics that, that time, no, we, we've been a running podcast. And then like, as things kind of unwound, it was like the year unwound to the point where it was like, it was impossible to not talk it. And I just, I kind of chuckled a little bit. I also chuckled at you mentioning, um, my my habit at the time of only logging on to Twitter like once a day I think it's down to like <laughs> once a week now like I never go on social media it is by far one of the most positive changes I've made in my life is just not going on social media I'm so much happier now all right I want to ask you one fun question about Please. the pandemic yeah um you might have to think about this for a second but can you think back to all the words that we use on a regular basis now that we never used oh god 12 yeah. months ago like <sighs> even one one of my uh co-workers his dad was having some breathing we, we our dads at the same time been having issues and um he kept saying his dad was having his like throat was closing up he was having some reaction to something so they put him on a vent mm-hmm. well on a vent is not something that like lay people would usually say you would say yeah. on a ventilator yeah but now we just call it a vent <clears throat> yeah we've used the word quarantine how many times corn i mean quarantine mass pandemic social distancing um god i'm just thinking of work um health checks um fuck. so many different things um Even just vaccination. Vax, you know, vaccination. <laughs> I mean, just, just the word pandemic. Uh, yeah. I was hoping my health check was going to come up, but I've already logged into my work app today. Um, oh, Lord, yeah. I mean, just... Um, let, me write, look, let me look at my notes really quick. I was going to try to do more because there was something else I said, but, like, I mean, you, you, just, you have... Yeah, pandemic, quarantine. Yeah. It's just so much. Stimulus. Yeah, stimulus checks coming, baby. Woo! Get that COVID Uncle relief. Joe! Man. A couple months late, but 
still got student loans. Hey, you know too. what? Not only that, but you know, you've got Hayes, you got a nice little child tax credit coming. Is that changing? Yeah, you have one. You're gonna get more. Oh, good. Yeah, maybe, that, I, won't, maybe I won't owe this year. That's that's one of those that's one of those kind of hidden things in there that nobody's oh. talking about. But um well, thanks for that. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, God, I know it's just um it's going to be wild to think about like when we think about this in 10 years, like I think about, so like, obviously I, I, I taught, I've coached high schoolers. I now work with kids that are in high school and I always, you know, nine 11 is always kind of the benchmark for me. I was a freshman in, in college when nine 11 happened and you'll talk to kids. Like I would talk to my high schoolers and be like, Oh yeah, I was in preschool. And now you talk to high schoolers. And you're like I wasn't alive. And you go, holy shit, you're talking about this event. And it's going to be the same thing. Like in 10 years, we're going to talk about it. And there's going to be people, you're going to be talking to kids who are like, COVID? What? What are you guys talking about? That weren't alive for it. It's just going to seem, oh, kiddos, you have no idea just what a awful 18, 12, 18 months that was. Yeah. I'll never forget this time. Oh, God, no. I mean, it, like I said, I went to a restaurant today and day drink, which was something I did on a regular basis 12 months ago. And today it felt momentous. You asked me, are you drinking tonight? I'm like, no, I'm in between. <laughs> I'm in between, so I'm sober for the podcast. Then I'm going to go ahead and shift away from that and drink for the rest of the night. So one thing you were talking about earlier is how we kind of had the correct mindset. Yeah. Uh, about this. And I was I so impressed by that. Uh, you know, I, I look and I see, um, I, I made some notes about what had happened for me immediately leading up to this. My wife and I worked our asses off to pay off a cruise. Right. Um, right. We, and then I was, uh, training for glass city and I had an amazing 18 miler yep. Today is the one year anniversary of when I was at the glass bowl, uh, where the finish line for glass city is. Yep. And I was able to see my finish line and I thought it was kismet in some way. And, uh, I love you. Hi, Hayes. Um, and and, you know, uh, so those two things, the things that were most important to me at the time were going amazing. And, you know, then all of a sudden everything got flipped on its head and shit hit the fan. But through all of that, having that amazing 18 miler that I referenced so often that I shared on our Instagram story yesterday or the day before uh, yesterday. Um, So through those amazing things and having it flipped on its head, I knew what the correct decisions were for both of them. Right. I I knew what, because of my desire to acquire the correct information and discern it appropriately, I knew what had to be done. Therefore, while yes, I was absolutely disappointed, I wasn't angry. Right. And I wasn't depressed and I wasn't devastated by the news that our cruise was canceled, that my race was canceled. I, you know, the, the Stockdale paradox that Heather brought up yeah. a few weeks ago, that was kind of how I thought. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, knew that we could be, even though you said, maybe something will change and your cruise will still happen. <laughs> well, that's what, what that's what's well, so we funny. Didn't know. We didn't know what we didn't no. know. The, the mindset at the time was if we lock down really hard for a month, it's going to completely suppress the virus and normalcy will resume. And that was the thought. And 
you know, honestly, like it, in some places that happens, it wasn't, it didn't happen here and it was never going to happen. It didn't happen in Western countries in general. Right. Like you look at even the European countries that did so well, you know, in the early going, they've struggled with winter resurgences. We're just Western civilization, Western countries are just so much more individualistic Yes. that you can't tell people sit at home. Don't go see your loved ones. Don't do anything for a year. It's just not going to happen. Um, but no, like I was blown away how much you and I, we talked about community. We talked about being okay with uncertainty. We talked about, um, you know, like doing what you can, what you can do at the time and not worrying about the things you can't do. And I, I'm listening to it. I'm like, holy shit. Like our timelines were off, but you and I were, were pretty spot on about how to handle it. And it was, I mean, it was scary as fuck. I listened to that. And I think about how it's like, it's weird. We record on Tuesdays. You would even ask me like, did we, when did we record this? Cause we recorded, it was very clearly on a Friday Yeah. because the Boston marathon canceled on a Friday. And we talked about it on that podcast. Yeah. I was two days away from the governor telling me you can't go to work anymore. Right. And I went into a tailspin. Like I woke up that Monday after that last day of work and went, I don't know how to fuck how I'm going to pay my bills. Right. You know, like the unemployment wasn't happening yet. I never dealt with unemployment. You know, the, the first stimulus wasn't in, it wasn't enacted yet. Um, I went into a tailspin. So for as much as we talked about, you know, control the things you can control that first week was dark because I was plunged into something that I had never dealt with before. Right. And so it's like, I had to, I had to kind of go through that and, and reorient myself after that. But I really was blown away by how, how really spot on we were about the mindset. And it's kind of a mindset we've carried through this entire time. You and I talked last week about how our mindset the entire time has been. It's not about you and me. It's about our loved ones. It's about our parents. You know, my parents who just got vaccinated. I went out today with my dad because I felt comfortable that my dad's immune. He's good. We can walk into a restaurant. I'm not worried about my dad contracting COVID and giving it to my mom and, and getting a severe sickness. And, um, that blew me away because there was so much at that time we didn't know. And yet the mindset was right. I had also shared a story um, on that episode from um, Baskin and Phelps, our least yeah. favorite 92.3, the oh, fan show. God. But they, you know, they were just very passionate and emotional about talking about, you know, providing meals for kids yeah. at school, yeah. which was one of those awesome things that we heard about. But it kind of took me back to our conversation last week with Stephanie Itterbrew. I thought the same thing. And, you know, one thing I don't think we really talked about with her or maybe a point uh, we didn't make about what she had said. You know, she had talked about how teachers were donating food, money and time to make sure that these students who were unable to eat outside of school they made sure they were still getting meals delivering them on their own on their own time on their own gas their own mileage of their own car teachers don't make much more than me and i don't make very good money i don't teach because i make more not teaching we we claim so much to be the best country in the world yeah and we ex- is that what we expect of teachers it is it is clearly 
it's fucked. Yeah, it's it's not what we should be expecting of teachers. That that is not their responsibility. I know that they are happy to do it because it is those kids are their passion. Mm-hmm. Outside of their own family, it's, those kids are the most important things to these teachers. I can tell you, having a kid who has teachers, I I adore his first his kindergarten and first grade teacher. I haven't met his second grade teacher. Yeah, but those kids are these these men and women's lives, and um, you know they they are happy to do that stuff. But to ask that they that they that it falls on them. It falls on them. It's fucked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so do, one thing that DeWine did do, and I credit him greatly for this, and I don't know, um, well, and this was part of some of the federal aid given as well, but uh, a large portion of DeWine, kids at school have had free meals mm-hmm. all year. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what, uh, if they are at home and remote, there's free pickup if they are yeah. in school. We haven't had to um, buy extra groceries to pack Hayes and lunch. We've just been able to send him, and that's helped us out. Yeah. Um, you know, and but kids are kids are able to eat at school. No, no questions asked. No money handed over. They've been every meal's been free. And uh, so you know, I am grateful for that. But at the beginning of this, and I mean, you still see it though, and it's it's an it's an institutional problem in, in teaching. I mean, you can attest to that. Um, I mean, you're paying for school supplies for your kids, and you even have tax limits on that. Yeah, and I mean, that's it's messed up. I, I mean, I gave the example that when I was at Ravenna, the yeah. we we offered free and reduced breakfast, free and reduced lunches. And the, the day when the cafeteria would be at its busiest was the last day of any given, uh, any given week before a break, because that was the last day that the kids knew for sure that they were going to get breakfast and lunch. Some of those kids. And uh, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a really fucked up thing to see because it's, and that's pre-pandemic. You know, that's pre-pan. Yeah, that's pre-pandemic before people lost work. And and you know, one of the things that goes, I think, underreported about the pandemic is that the economy. I mean, financially, things have been great for me. I've had to work my ass off for it, but things have been great for me. But if you look at the the different tiers of workers, um, it's been the lowest quarter of earners that have struggled the most during this, that have taken the biggest financial hit. So you know, parents of kids that are already struggling, uh, that were already taking it in teeth before the pandemic are now, you know, it's doubled down on them. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something long-term Steph said it really well, that we had this opportunity to, you know, really kind of not just put a bandaid on, on some of those issues during all this, but to really kind of reorganize how you distribute wealth for some of the, the poorer earners. And we, we didn't do it. We kicked the can down the road. And it's something that eventually needs to be addressed because, you know, if you're hungry, how the fuck do you expect these kids to sit there and learn? I promise you, if those kids are sitting in a classroom with their stomachs growling, they're not paying attention to Shakespeare or the Pythagorean theorem. They're just not. Yes, there's a whole series of commercials about it with Snickers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's profound. That's strangely profound. You know, I mean, we can... 
a company can spend millions of dollars to make fun of hunger, you know, and we can't address an issue that affects so many kids. Yeah. No, no fault of their own. Right. And, and that's uh, it. It's not the kid's fault. Like right. if, say what you want to say about the parents, whatever, fine. It's not the kid's fault. The kids. And it's not the teacher's fault that, the, no. you know, it's like we, we blame, we, we, we want to do everything, but fix the problem. Yeah. And I mean that you, you say, kick the can down the road. I had asked words we never thought we'd use. That's a phrase I never thought I would use so regularly. Right. But it has, it has really shown I, this pandemic has shown that that is, you know, if we wouldn't have kicked the can down the road, if we would have said, you know, instead of people, rich people just trying to get, you know, prevent themselves from being less poor, right? less rich, I mean, um, and we, if we could have just, all the rich people in the world could have gotten together and just shut shit down for like a month. Yeah. And, and everybody would have been fine and we would be past this. Yeah. But no, they got to squeeze every penny they can out of everything. And you and me are dependent on making money ourselves. Yeah. So that we can afford to buy, get, hand these rich people money so that they can give us peasants food, you know, and we, but that we can't just do things the right way. Right hand down the road on everything and you know this is an issue that's been exposed but guess what as soon as this pandemic is over and people aren't affected as much and these stories aren't as prevalent it's it's just it's not gonna be anybody's problem except the teachers yeah we'll somehow make the teachers at fault for it again we're not gonna make them at fault for it because we won't talk about it we'll just they're gonna be the ones responsible for taking care of the kids they love right we're gonna just go back to right where we were we didn't learn from 2008 2009 we're not gonna learn from this i have very little hope of that i'm actually more i'm actually more positive on that than i thought i would have been i'm not i'm cynical it's not gonna be i think we i think we imagine that there's gonna be some sort of snap of the fingers and you know like i remember you know we talked about how different companies were stepping up, you know, Mark Cuban's reading this text or whatever, you know, to the, to the crowd and talking about how he's going to step up for the hourly workers. And I think there was this feeling that there was going to be this sort of snap of the fingers and companies are going to understand now things like that aren't going to happen. But I do think that for a lot of people, there is an understanding of like how, how interconnected we are. And there are things that, that, people now further expect out of their employers and it's not going to happen it's not going to lead to like instantaneous change but i do think it's going to lead to some different changes in terms of what we expect i mean think about i don't want to get too political because i want to talk about some of the takeaways you and i have from all this but two years ago if 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 i had said that we're going to be encountering a crisis where people are going to demand universal income from the government you and I would have thought that was crazy. And now people pine for stimulus checks. You know, the, the, the outgoing president, the former president, who granted wasn't a true Republican, who just wanted to win re-election no matter what, you know, he pitched the idea of $2,000 checks for everybody. And the party went, yeah, that, that sounds really good. Absolutely, we should do that. That's something that would have never happened two years ago. Um, there's a huge child tax credit coming. There, there's all sorts of different things where I think people do sort of view 
government is being more instrumental to their lives. And um, I think you're going to see that happen within the workplace too. It's not going to be a flip of the switch. It's not like the CEOs of the world are suddenly going to find that they've got hearts that are much bigger than they were. But I do think you'll see some changes. It's just going to take time. You're more confident in that than me, and that's fine. Allegedly. Um, you wanted to talk about lessons we learned. You got just, three minutes. We're going to go over a little bit. It's fine. Whatever. Um, I don't. I just don't want to go over too much, so I'm going to try no, to hold it. No, that's fine. You and I, we've had different people on over the last couple of months or so, uh, just kind of asking about like how their year has gone and like what are their main takeaways? Like what's the main takeaway that they that they get from this past year what are some of the main takeaways that you really kind of pull out of this weird up and down year that we've been dealing with wait i'm i'm so sorry i was reading your text did you just ask me a question i thought you were going to be going off for a second i well i figured i'd start off and ask you like what are we always ask people like what are the main takeaways like what's the big lesson or a couple of big lessons that you get out of this year and we've gotten some pretty profound answers so you know, what are some of the things you take away from this? And obviously I'll talk about some of the things I take away from this year. I think, you know, what I was just talking about, um, yeah, I think there's two sides to things that have evolved in me. Um, one is a political side. Mm -hmm. I, I have become, uh, much more, um, passionate about seeing bad people with lots of money mm -hmm. <laughs> continue to be bad people with lots of money and, and trying to reap more of it. I, I think, you know, this pandemic has exposed that as an issue um, as many people have become much wealthier. Yeah. Much, 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 yeah. much, much, much wealthier. And the they were already people. ridiculously wealthy. Yeah. The richest people, they made more wealth during the recession in 2008. They've made more yeah. wealth now. Like that's a thing. And, you know, then I see, you know, people losing homes and teachers having to pay for kids food because they can't eat. I don't know. That's just, uh, I've, and, and, you know, you couple that with the, um, you know, we had the social justice issues. We have, we still have them. They're yeah, still very real. Um, Breonna Taylor is still dead. Ahmaud Arbery is still dead. Yeah. George Floyd, still dead. All these people are still dead. And only one of them are there. Well, no, okay. Ahmaud Arbery, his killers are, um, I, I believe, still awaiting trial. Yeah. So are, so is George, one of George Floyd's, the accomplices yeah. who stood and watched or not. And Breonna Taylor, um, one cop is in jail for shooting into a white family's apartment. Um, but I've, I've just become more passionate about those types of issues over the last year. But I think I've, I've also just tried to appreciate simplicity in life. I did a lot of work on our backyard this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in absence of going out to rubber ducks games or we, we never went to tribe games, or, but just, you know, going out, putt-putting. Uh, my son and I used to go to the donut shop across the street every week. Yeah. We haven't been in a year. We've got donuts to go. Right. 
We haven't we haven't stepped foot in a donut shop to eat donuts in a donut shop in a year. But we we're we're okay. Yeah. You know, we we've we found things around the house, you know, doing the work on the backyard and it allowed us to spend time with our dogs who one doesn't have more than a few more weeks left. But we we you know, we finishing the backyard, we were able to spend more time with our dogs. I could spend time with my wife just out there away from the TV and everything else, and we could just talk and drink beer mm-hmm. and just be together. We can't do that over the winter, but you know, I, yeah. you know the, the nice weather, you can just go be outside and just be simple and quiet and listen to planes land overhead because we're only a few miles from the airport. Like we right. can we can enjoy things that we never really enjoyed before some of that's because we've enjoyed the backyard but some of that's because everything else has been taken away from us right and i while i want to go to rubber ducks games while i want to go putt putt go to the donut store go to dave and busters and play arcade games with my kid till i get a sore shoulder because i keep trying to throw the football through the freaking thing and the one arcade game that i am almost really good at um (laughs) I, uh, you know, I want to do those things and, and I can't wait to have them back, but I don't want to forget the simplicity of just being with my family in the backyard mm-hmm. and just being with them and being away from everything, being in our own little oasis. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that simplicity is huge. That's simplicity isn't a lesson. But yeah, that's no, my, I think it is. That's that, that's kind of one thing that I've really taken away from this last year is that it's I it's okay to be simple. I guess that's my lesson. It's okay to be simple. No, oh, yeah. I, I I you know I think mine are, are along the same sort of lines. Um, I'll use the example of I'll use the example of, of just interacting with people to talk about simplicity. Um, there there's a there's a number of regulars that come into work that I see that are, are they travel from out of town business. And there, there's one guy, Matt, who's from uh, the Fort Wayne, Indiana area, who I hadn't seen in quite a while. You know, they, Indiana had a, just like we've had a travel ban on States, Indiana had a travel ban on States. And, and we were one of them because Ohio's test rate was positive test rate was up there for a while. And I just been thinking not too long ago, man, I haven't seen Matt in a while. When am I going to see him again? And he pops into work last week. And so we're talking and, you know, Matt and I are, we're ideologically different, not like drastically different, but we're on kind of opposite sides of the aisle, but you know, we're just, we're talking. And as I'm talking to him, um, you know, I'm thinking about how, like, he's a guy that if I saw what I would imagine his like sort of, you know, generic social media profile to look like, he's probably a guy that I wouldn't follow because I would make all sorts of he like big sunglasses selfie in his pickup truck. No, not that guy. No, no. He's like a 60 year old, you know, I think he's 62 and just, uh, just a little more on the conservative side, it, you know, um, but not like crazy Trump conservative or anything like that. Just sort of ideologically different for me. And as we're talking, we just, we get along so well, we talk about all sorts of different topics and um, there's just a genuine appreciation and respect for each other. And it's the sort of thing that I think you get only from interacting with people on a face-to-face basis. And we're going through this year where we haven't been able to do that. But, you know, even stretching before the pandemic, we've been in this year, we've been in this decade that's been kind of defined by social media. And I think, unfortunately, what that allows us to do is start to make sort of snap judgments about people that aren't unnecessarily 
based in reality. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sitting there talking to him and just, you know, enjoying this conversation, I'm thinking like, man, we've, we've really got to get beyond that to where we yeah. just go back to getting, getting rid of this idea of connection and going more into communication. And I'll, I'll, I'll use you and I as an example. We connected over social media. That's how we met. But in the time since then, we've developed a really good friendship. I get more out of having these weekly conversations with you than I would get with 10 people that I would have just random comments on their Facebook posts or tweets. Right. And that's so much more meaningful than having that, that wider net. And I think that's one of those things that I take out of this past year is just how it's better to kind of be, I think, kind of maybe a big fish in a smaller pond where you've got more, we've got deeper, more meaningful connections with a smaller group of people than if you are doing this wide net sort of casting where you talk with a lot of people, but none of it goes with any depth at all. It's kind of like high school. Like how many people from high school do you really talk to? Right. Yeah, like yeah, I got a buddy like, who's like, man, let's have our 20, my 10 with reunion with this be this year. And one of my oldest friends is like, we should do it. And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Like social media means that I can connect with the people that I want to. And I can genuinely talk with the smaller group of people that I really want to connect with. Right. I don't care about probably 70. My graduating class was 91. I don't care about 70 of them. It's not because I hate them. I just didn't connect with them we didn't you, you just said friendship. 91 yeah it was 91 people oh oh i sorry 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 i i was like you didn't graduate in 1991 no <laughs> 10, ten years no no yeah <laughs> 10 years later but no my, i went to a small school my graduating class was 91 and one of the advantages of going to a small school is that you were pretty tight with people but then we all went and kind of did our things and i lost track of probably 70 of them yeah. And of the 21 of the 20 that I keep in touch with, probably three or four of them I'm somewhat tight with, probably one or two I'm really tight with. My graduating I, class was like 1200. I just don't care. And I think I keep in touch with three of those people now. Yeah. Like I I mean it's just it's it's nothing. I I I, I yeah. yeah, I talk to you more than I pretty much talk to I probably have three people I really talk to a lot. Now, some of those people I can count on when I, you know, going through stuff with my dad. I mean, I still have people who I can pick up the phone and call them. They'll answer. And it'll be like, we just talked yesterday. Right. And those people exist. And they're, you know, people who are very dear to me and I love, and I would die for literally I would. And, um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a small group. (laughs) And I think understanding that, that, that it is small. One other thing I wanted to, can, sorry, can I add one more lesson please, I learned? Please, this and, is our podcast. We don't have to cut it off. Yeah, we don't. Nobody listens anyways. Um, a little parenting advice for when you have kids, Adam. Okay. Be honest with your kids about bad shit. That was, that was one other thing I really did learn this year. We, you know, my Hayes is eight and uh, turned eight in December and we didn't really know, you know, this cruise was a big deal. Yeah. We, we, we counted this cruise down all the time. Like we would look at it at least once a week and see how many days we had left. Okay. From the time we booked it in April of 2019 to the time we were supposed to go in May, 2020. And, uh, you know, it, 
it really hurt to have to sit down and have conversations with him about that. Right. Uh, one of our dogs developed cancer and mm-hmm. she's hung on this long and she still seems to be in relatively good spirits, but due to the size of the cancer, I don't believe we have much longer left because we opted to not treat it due to comp- potential complications from surgery and quality right. of life and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, so we had to have a conversation with him on that. We had a conversation with him on like why school is so different and why he wasn't in school for three months, why he wasn't able to see his friends. We talked to him on a podcast episode. Yeah. You know, he, he missed seeing his friends. That was like the, that hurt. <laughs> yeah. But we were able to be honest. We, we just really worked on approaching it appropriately for a seven or eight year old. Yeah. But being honest with him, not, not ever hiding anything. We found out my dad's cancer diagnosis. We told him two days later, we wanted to get a little more information. Yeah. We don't want to just tell him, Oh, Papa has cancer mm-hmm. and he could die from it, but we don't know. Cause we, we wanted to have some clarity, but we, yeah. You know, we didn't hold it from him either, but, you know, just being honest, I think goes a long way. I think it allows them to process things and under, maybe understand and ask questions, even if the questions have no answers, but he's been, you know, he's been a trooper through all of this there's been a lot of heartbreak i mean we we yeah we didn't just have one cruise canceled we had another one canceled yeah and we rebooked for september we knew shortly after we rebooked that that was not going to happen we still don't feel great about our one for november of this year but um i'm feeling more and more confident about it as time goes on mm-hmm. but uh yeah be honest if you have kids just be honest with them i think i i so many people try to shelter their kids from this type of thing. This was unavoidable because our, our day-to-day lives change. Right. But, you know, when we have these other instances, we have a dog, we have my dad, we have, you know, these issues. Um, we we're just very honest with him. I think he learned that. Maybe that's a lesson he learned mm-hmm. is how to um, deal with this, which is profound for an eight-year-old. I don't have kids, but having, having coached high allegedly. schoolers, yeah, allegedly, uh, having coached high schoolers for over a decade, you know, you, you have to deal with, you have to deal with like sharing your opinions on where they're at as far as their place in the team and where their game is at. And, um, you know, it, it's really easy to say like, well, that it shouldn't be hard to be honest with them there, but you, you get parents involved and, it's not as easy to coach high schoolers as a lot of people would think there's, there's a lot of different competing um, motivations that are there. You know, one of the hardest things about coaching is that the parents motivation and rightfully so is to look out for their kid. Right. The coach's motivation is to look out for what's best for the team, which might mean sacrificing a kid's ambitions for the team's ambitions, but kids by and large respect honesty. Yes. They, they can handle it. I, I promise you they can handle it. Um, it doesn't they appreciate not, it. It's not just yes. that they can handle it. Yes, they appreciate it. They will respect you more. And I think just people in general will respect you more 
if you're honest with them. And even if they don't necessarily respect what you're saying, they're going to respect that you're honest about what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like not everybody takes criticism great, but I do think people always respect you when you come to them and you're honest about what you see, because at least they don't have to guess about where they stand with you. And if you're honest with the bad, they'll, they'll trust you yes. and, and they'll understand you're honest with the good. Yes. They don't, they don't think you're blowing smoke up their ass because right. people want to know when they're doing good and they want to know when they're doing good. And they want to know that they actually think they're doing good and not just you're patting them on the back because right. you think they need to give them a participation trophy. Right. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on there. I think it's time for us to end. It is. I'm I've tired. got nothing to add. Yeah. This I need was to fun more. Though. It's been a year. It's been it's... a year, but I feel so much better. It's, it's so much better looking at it on this side of things it, than it did last year i mean we're coming into summer well yeah. spring we're coming into spring it, we're we have great numbers we feel more confident and you, you and i do in doing our thing a little more which is still next to nothing mind mm-hmm. you yeah um but you know may, maybe a little bit of a little bit more freedom with ourselves than we had a year ago and i yeah it's fun and we're heading into the right time of year to have that freedom tribe games rubber duck games yeah they might happen my birthday's in a couple weeks i'm just thrilled that i'm gonna be able to go to a bar and drink for it i couldn't do that last year i was invited why not come join my dad and it'll be during the day or i'm gonna day drink again oh is it gonna be on a saturday no it's my birthday falls on a tuesday well fuck that's why we're not recording that tuesday because you're gonna be hungover no, because I'm just not going to have anything on my schedule that Tuesday. <laughs> I need a day. <sighs> Come to skip. Well, I can't. I actually, sure you, you know can. what? Hold on. What date? I what might be. I might be able to because I have surgery next Friday. More details on that next week. Um, but for now, I'll just leave you all in suspense. <laughs> You don't want to know, believe me. Um, so, Adam, it's time to go. Yes. Listeners, it's time to go. Usually we say goodbye to somebody else at this point. I'm really out of practice. Um, but to everybody, we're almost there. We really are. Yeah. And uh, it's been a hell of a year. And we can't wait to just talk about running again. And we have an extra race in the fall. We're about to have a few more, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah. uh, so fall training is going to begin soon in earnest. Um, we're going to do a few more of our uh, Staying Sane interviews, and then we're going to be at 100, and we have a very special guest for episode 100. It's going to be lit. So, um, so to all you listeners, we'll see you next week. Stay safe, stay clean, stay home. A little bit longer. And enjoy your mind.